guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a poisonous episode for you guys today. It's that absolutely That doesn't sound very good. Well, it's not gonna act well, it's not gonna poison you, but it may have <laughs> but it may have poisoned your parents. Yeah. And maybe if you're old enough and you think maybe that your IQ There is, were lingering effects. It, it, so if yes. you're thinking maybe your IQ yeah. wasn't what it was supposed to be, and you're like Man. maybe 60 or 70 listening to this podcast, we have the answer. Yeah. So okay. I'll just start it out, Chris. What do you see when you go to the gas pumps and you open the little fill flap on your car door that's a gasoline-powered car, I should say, not one of those stupid diesels? I I was going to make a smart-ass comment. I knew you were. i got to specify that. (laughs) But what does it say? Unleaded fuel only. Right, which, of course, means that there was leaded fuel. Fuel at one time, which I'm going to get into. That's what this entire episode is about. Do you know why you can't run leaded fuel? Yes, I do. And we'll get to that. Okay. So I'm jumping ahead already. Already. That's what I'm doing. I'm like a professional jumper ahead. You're two episodes ahead. (laughs) 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 This is going to be a multi-part series. So we have two episodes here. Yeah. So So, I think, what was it like three weeks ago or so? I was like, Jake. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's yep. talk. Can you look and this up? I, I think it'll be interesting. I went into it. Okay, I'm excited. And I went into. I'm over. Okay. I'm like it gets to this point where now that we're recording video and I and I don't have usually I have show notes. Right. They're like this is what you we're talking nothing. about. You I've got, got nothing. nothing. I've nope. got nothing. You're just gonna sit back, relax, and take it all in. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. And stop me when you need to interject or clarify. Oh, I will. I probably won't have the answer as we know. I will because I know everything. Darn it! I hope it's entertaining. All right. Okay, so I want to start it out a little differently by delving into the theory and physics of the internal combustion engine itself. So as most of us know, the four-cycle engine that is used in just about every vehicle out there is named due to its four distinct cycles of operation. Which are? Intake, compression, combustion, and exhaust. And the combustion one is the good one. That's where the magic happens. Yeah. So during the intake cycle, or stroke, the piston is traveling downward in the cylinder with the intake valve open, drawing in fresh air and fuel mixture. As the piston Unless reaches- it's a direct injection engine. Does it, it just directs it right into the combustion chamber, right? Right? It skips the... Yes, it doesn't, it doesn't draw the, it through. Yeah. yeah, direct injection. And I'm trying to remember if direct injection injects it with the intake stroke? No, it does it on the compression stroke is when it injects it, okay. I believe. But we're not going to talk about that. All right. What about, just, what about port injection? It's just confusing people. What about port injection? Port? Where it puts it right into the cylinder head instead of going That's into the... That's direct injection. That's, is, yes, port injection Chevy, is the old side style. Well, I'm, there's a difference. You have manifold where the injectors are in the manifold. Okay. You want to get into this? You have throttle body injection yes. like we have on the Overcrest van. Yeah, Overcrest van. Right, which is just <laughs> a carburetor, basically, that they decided to put an injector nozzle in. You're right. Okay. Then you have port injection, which is in the intake manifold itself. Right. Right before the uh, intake valve. Yeah, this was before the cylinder head. Before the cylinder head completely, Correct. right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the intake manifold, right? So that is kind of the step beyond throttle body injection. Then the new technology is direct injection, where it's directed directly into the cylinder head, basically right next to where you'd think there'd be a spark plug. There's also a fuel uh, injection nozzle. Yep. And it we runs should, we should at people extremely keep high pressures. We should uh, have people keep a tangent count. On this episode. That was one or two. That's already. one or two. That's one or two right there. We're already okay. at two. So as the piston reaches the bottom of this intake stroke and starts moving back up the cylinder, the intake valve closes, causing the piston to compress this fuel mixture. Jake. Yes. Everybody that's listening knows how this works. I know. I'm just going to get right through it because we need to talk about this. Based okay. on the design of the engine, the intake charge is compressed how much? A lot. Depends on your engine. Seven to 13 times its initial pressure. Yeah. That is basically. Unless it's a diesel and then it has com- awesome compression. compression like ratio. 20 to 30 to 1. Yes. And if you remember your basic high school physics, when you compress a gas, it becomes hot. Right. And when an explosive fuel such as gasoline gets hot in perfect ratio with the amount of oxygen that's required, it wants very badly to explode. And we've harnessed that power. what was that from i don't even know i think it was like star wars or something okay yes so this is great if it all works correctly it makes the job of spark plugs very easy just gives a little zap and boom ignition this explosion or controlled rapid expansion of fuel mixture creates a massive pressure increase we're talking in the ballpark do you know how much pressure is created no i don't yeah, it's in the ballpark of 1,500 PSI. Wow. Yes. Quite a bit. 
So this pressure then that's forces. That's a lot more. So what is the what is a steam? In, here's tangent number two of answer you will not yes, know. Yes. What is a steam engine running for pressure in its piston? It's single piston. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, I don't know either. Yeah, it's no. a good question though. We had to rewind to our uh, the indomitable Iron Road parts one through yes. four in it today. Answer yes. that question. Which yeah, I will never own a steam car. I don't think that's something I, I really want. <laughs> I don't think you will either. No, I don't no. think I will. Hey, poor Jay Leno. Poor Jay Leno. Is that, do we know what yeah, burned him? It was, it one, was, of his, steam it was one of his steam cars, the boiler, that. like leak fuel. And, you know, he always used to say, you know, there's not a lot of these things left. They all burn down. And if they're left, the guy that owned them, they don't have any eyebrows. Well, that's why. That's why. And yeah. now Jay Leno probably doesn't have any eyebrows either. But I hear yeah. he's okay. So. He, yes, he that's is. Good. So that's good. Uh, let's see. The pressure forces the piston downward on the combustion or power stroke. Jake, I am bored. I've, I know how, I know how okay. this stuff works. Okay. So after, let me just finish this, and then we'll get to the fun stuff. After okay. reaching the bottom of the crankshaft's throw and theoretically expelling all of the combustion energy, the piston travels upward once again, this time with the exhaust valve open, releasing the spent exhaust gases. Yes. This process happens happens thousands of times a second on each cylinder altogether it should sound something like this <laughs> it does sound mighty good yeah that's the what is that gt3 by the way ah uh. so so how do you know, do, are we going to talk about, I don't know, we're probably going to talk about it, but timing and when this. We're getting right into okay, it. This, right now, Chris. Okay, because we're. Right now. Th that stuff everybody kind of already knows, yes. right? This is where things are going to get a little more interesting, hopefully. So the rudimentary explanation is out of the way. Now That was like engines. That's 101. 101. Not even 101. Yes. That's the pamphlet you pick up when you show up at school. They're like, right. here's your dorm room. Yes. This is the, here's how the engine actually works. Yes. So what if you want more power, Right. Well, an internal combustion engine, it, it, well, it simply takes More fuel. chemical potential energy. Let's look at it from a physics perspective. Okay. You just have potential chemical, potential chemical energy. The thermal chemical energy. Potential energy. It's the thermal energy. In the energy. form of fuel. Yeah, it's, right. the, it's the thermal it potential It then turns that. that into mechanical energy. All you're taking is the potential energy in fuel and turning it into mechanical you're energy. You're moving that rod, right. which moves the crankshaft. So from a physics perspective, the only way to make more power is to increase the input of fuel. Everything else, adding more air via force induction, increasing the ability of the engine to rev, etc., is simply a means of supporting the increase in fuel. Right. More, more yes. explosion. Now, obviously, this is a gross oversimplification. You can attempt to make the engine more efficient itself with its use of fuel or Boring. at the end of the day, the fuel is what makes the power, right? Right. Yes. The problem is that an internal combustion is by necessity a very precise machine. Without the right mixture of fuel and oxygen, the engine will not run optimally or at all for that matter. Just think about, I don't know, we can't really do the math on this because I'm really not smart enough uh, on the fly, but think of how fast your engine is moving. Yeah. You're moving like that, GT, that GT3 RS per minute. is 8,000 RPMs yeah, is what we're... I think the new one hits nine. Okay, so eight to 9,000 RPMs. There's, that's how many, well, that's not how many that's explosions half, are. Half, half the amount of explosions are. explosions per second. Minute. 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 Second and then you have to divide that really by crazy. 60. So whatever is 45 yeah. divided by 60 is 9, 8, about 8. So what is that? 8. Something. What are you talking about? Per second? I don't know. I give up. Math. But then also multiply it by 6 because you have 6 cylinders. That's incredible. It's an inc I, my point is is that it's you need an incredible amount of pre precision right. to know when to ignite exactly. this fuel. Exactly. Because it has to be Thank at the you. precise yeah. moment. Timing is critical. So let's look at the compression stroke of our four-cycle engine. As the piston moves up the cylinder, the fuel and air mixture is compressed. If it's not compressed enough or the ignition of the spark happens too late in relation to the position of the piston, the fuel will not have enough time to burn and expand completely, wasting potential power. Right. Right? You're going to already be going down the explosion, still burning, and out the exhaust it goes. This is, by the way, what is referred to as retarded ignition timing. And, by the way, since it seems odd to say the word retarded on a podcast in 2022, I had to look at this up. The origin, or the original definition of the word, simply means slow. Yes. Which makes perfect sense in this usage, right? Yeah, it's happening it after Top Dead Center. later associated with the developmental or intellectual disabilities, regardless. That's, that's Whatever. why I said sure. re retarded. So, not compressing our fuel or igniting it too late leaves power on the table. But going the other way is even worse. If you try no, to, 
you want to go before top dead center. You do. Because everything but is not happening. too much. Everything not is happening much. so fast that if you see it in slow motion, as right. the piston is coming up, you ignite <clears throat> the fuel, and that combustion doesn't entirely happen right I'm, away. I'm, you're already getting ahead of me I'm, I, by like three minutes. I'm sorry. I know. You just want to be included. That's I do. fine. I want to be included. Yeah, if you sure. try to cray, cr crap... If you try to crap too much, I wrote this wrong. That's supposed to be cram. <laughs> if you cram too much fuel and air into the combustion chamber, it will get too hot on its own accord while being compressed. This is referred to as premature ignition or pre-ignition. Yeah. I don't have any volume control here. That's all right. Well, you better turn it up. That's what I'm talking about. I can't. No, that's okay. We'll just run with it. I'll fix it later. Don't, <laughs> just keep going. No problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, so remember, the peak combustion pressure on an engine can reach 15,000 PSI or more. And if this happens while the piston is still in its upward compression stroke, bad things happen. This is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable Right, so when the unstoppable force of combustion meets the piston, it can become less immovable. Worst case scenario, this pre-ignition happens repeatedly or severe. The engine will either blow a hole right through the top of the piston. The best case scenario is undue stress on the engine and an audible noise referred to as knock. Or... Pinging. Pinging. Yes, this knock or detonation is another term. Uh, it's due to the characteristic noise that is heard. This metallic pinging sound is actually produced by the shock wave created by the detonation, resulting in a much higher pressure cylinder than under normal operation. Have okay. you ever, have you had, have you heard this in a car you have owned? Uh, I think I did too much uh, timing on the 911 heard a little bit. I've, so I've, Try and figure out where the timing is because my compression on my motor is like it, it was, it's gonna be more now, but it was 9.8 to 1, which is almost on the cusp of needing twin plug. Yes. Okay. That is. So, well, 10 is the cusp. Anything more than 10 is you need it. So, I would go out and I'd set it to like factory specs. Yep. And then I would take a wrench with me uh -huh. and I would go and drive. Uh huh. And I would listen. You mean for you it. can't do this on your phone through the app? No. I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you on cannot. On the fly. No, but you still need to go and take a wrench and go nope. and listen. No, you don't. Your distributor app with your Bluetooth does not detect knock or ping. No, it doesn't detect it, but I can adjust it on the fly. Good for you. Good All thanks. I have to do is turn the distributor a little bit, okay, which I'm is probably faster really cool. than opening up an app and dragging sliders You're around. Right. And I don't RPMs. even have to stop driving. It's stupid. It's cool. You don't need it. It's, it's cool. completely unnecessary. Very cool. Absolutely don't need Super it. Unnecessarily cool. stupid. Waste of money. <laughs> How much was that distributor? I don't remember. It's probably like six or eight hundred dollars. Yeah, probably. Yeah, waste. Absolute waste. You know how much a wrench costs? What? Like six bucks. <laughs> All right. So, so I hop in the car. I go. I, dr I, <laughs> I drive the car. I, I don't like cool things that oh. are new and different. So on my 911, pinging sounds almost like a really tinny zipper getting zipped yeah, up. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that here because pinging is kind of a misnomer. You don't hear. It's not like a knock. Like if you have a rod knock. Right. That's it's, totally it's different. Completely different. Yes. Knock is like a. It is a very poor way of yeah, explaining what detonation it, it is. sounds yeah, like. Yeah, the increased pressure created by the uh, pre-detonation is what gives it this unique pitch to the detonation itself. So it's because you have way more pressure than you're supposed to when it's coming up than rather the regular explosion. That's what makes it discernible from usual operation. Many people refer to this noise as a hammer hitting metal, but keep in mind that since it happens- A tiny hammer. As an engine is revving, what you hear is a quick succession of these noises. And to me, I think the best description would be more akin to like a metallic rattle, or it sounds like someone dragging a chain over like a metal railing. Yeah, right? yep, I, I hear that one. Yeah, that's almost like a zipper. Yeah, you know, well, like listen yourself. I can hear it. Yep. This is the guy in the background who's yelling, stop, 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 stop. Yeah, that's yes, bad. Exactly. So 
since we're talking about the ignition system before, it's worth noting what the ignition advance is and how this plays into it. You see, even though we don't want combustion to happen before the piston is on its downstroke, that doesn't mean that the process can't start before then. This is what you were talking about before. Even though an explosion seems immediate, any type of fuel still takes some time to burn. The process of the fuel burning outward from the ignition of the spark plug is called flame propagation, often referred to as the flame front of the ignition. Think of it this way. Have you ever seen someone light a trail of gasoline on fire? I've done this. I've done this too, but I'm you saying ever a we've only bonfire? seen it on TV. Yeah, I've never actually no. had a yeah. bonfire in my backyard <laughs> and poured gasoline pour it over. As you're walking oh, away. And then light yeah, it up. Just, yes, exactly. So it starts wherever it's lit and then travels down the path as it's ignited. That's what a flame front is. And for me, it brought up this famous movie scene. We're just going to listen to an explosion. <laughs> so that's the end of Die Hard 2 where the plane's taking off, yep. but it has a fuel leak. So he just lights the fuel on the runway and it like follows it all the way up as it's going up in the air. And then boom, that would work. I think that would work. I don't know it, if it the, would. The it would fuel... have to be laminar flow of fuel. A what? Laminar flow. What's that? Oh, we get to go on another tangent. What's laminar flow? So let's say like a squirt gun, when you squirt it, you think it's a perfectly like line that's connected of water. I know that when I, let's just talk about peeing in the toilet. Okay. When you pee in the toilet, you think it's a perfect like line. Yeah. If you looked at it and took a picture and took it slow-mo, what happens is it forms little droplets due to surface tension as it goes. Yeah. That's non-laminar flow. It naturally wants to just clump together and separate from basically a stream. Right. If it's a perfect stream and is connected the entire way, that is laminar flow. Ah, so we would need a laminar flow. However, yes, fuel vapor is typically what ignites You're first. You're right. So, so in this instance, no, we don't need laminar flow. We may or we may not need. We need laminar flow of gas. Yes, why yes. not? Okay. Uh, So anyways, this whole flame propagation is one of the reasons the fuel mixture is compressed in the combustion chamber. It increases the rate of the flame propagation. I'm going to do a slow-mo video of me taking a leak. I'm going to see what I kind of was wondering if we were going there. Let's do it. Let's, let's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to show you the video, but I'm going to tell you my, uh, the level of laminar flow. <laughs> you should ask your wife if that's something they test. I don't What's the think laminar so. flow of no, this, I this really patient? I don't think so. No? no, no, definitely not. So it still takes time to fully ignite the charge. And will, you, will you do the same? No. Nope. We can compare? No, I will not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, therefore, the expanding of our gas into pressure is used to create the power. So since we know we don't want to have retarded ignition, which would not make us use of all the energy of the combustion, the ignition timing is advanced or timed before the piston reaches top dead center. And this is measured in what? Degrees, degrees. of crankshaft because right. it's a 360 degree circle. From the piston yes. at the bottom of its throw to the top of its throw. Correct. Yeah. This allows the frame flame front to begin igniting before the piston has reached the top of its travel, getting a head start on combustion. So you can see timing is critical. Too early and the engine knocks and leads to catastrophic failure. Too late and you're just wasting fuel. Amazingly. You can also get pre-ignition too just because you're compressing it and it's just detonating. Right. You know, just be, not, without spark. Correct. You just, the compression gets so gets. hot. Yeah, but the spark has a little bit to do with that, Right. Too. You could advance your spark so much that it's knocking as well. Yep. But, yeah, it's it's usually knock is referred to when it's compressing itself and exploding before you want it to. Correct. Yes. So all this Have you ever seen a piston that's, known, that's been damaged like this? I've seen one where there's just a hole straight through it. Have you ever seen one that's just kind of slightly damaged over time? It looks like the, like a golf ball. Like a, oh, it's like dimpled. It's like dimpled, and it's got little pinpricks all over it. No, and, it's, and you know how you have, on especially an older car, you'll have like carbon deposits across right. the top. Yeah, all the carbon deposits will be like dimpled and have holes in it and stuff like that. It's pretty ugly. Yeah, well, it's certainly not good for it. What's amazing to me is that all this was known in detail by the time the automobile started hitting streets at the dawn of the 20th century. In fact, the phenomenon of detonation was well, described. It's pretty simple to figure out if you would start an engine up and. And either you can't start it because your ignition right. is too far advanced, or you're getting this this noise. And back then, they didn't have a Bluetooth phone thing, <laughs> so they're out there just like they're like, okay, well, what's what's going on here? Right. This other it didn't do this before. Why is it doing it now? Right. These are the things that I did. Oh, this changed. This is why. Boom, we found out. It's really easy to diagnose. 
Well, listen to this because they were just trying to figure out what the cause of it was, though. Okay, you can understand what it like is, like the chemical side of it. No, even just the, the why it's doing it. So the, phomno- the, the phenomenon of detonation was described in November 1914 in a letter from the Lodge Brothers, which were an early spark plug manufacturer, settling a discussion regarding the cause of knocking or pinging in motorcycles. In the letter, they stated that an early ignition can cause rise to the gas detonation instead of the usual expansion, and the sound that is produced by the detonation is the same as if metal parts had been tapped with a hammer. Yeah. 1914. It was further investigated and described by Harry Ricardo, whoever that is, during experiments carried out between blah, 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 blah. They basically aircraft engines. You don't want that to happen. No, there. you don't They're, want it. You real, need a hole in your real, piston in a plane. Yeah, yes. Not great. But before too long, people wanted more power and wanted to go faster. By the 1920s, manufacturers were attempting different ways of stuffing more air and fuel into engines. With Bentley's famous blower cars to Cadillac's massive and crazy V16, but as they pushed the envelope of performance, something reared its ugly head. That pesky knock. Yep. You know what isn't pesky? And I love when it rears its beautiful head. I will guess petrol box. That's right. Petrol box is a monthly service made specifically for the for, automotive made specifically for Christmas. Yes, you're right. It is an amazing gift. Yes. Each month, they select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, and publications to be sent right there to your doorstep. It's a curated selection of the latest and greatest gear in the industry. Do you remember in the classic movie, Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase? I have not seen this movie. What? I have not seen it. You've never seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Never. Why? Because I think Chevy Chase is not funny. Have you have you seen any of the National Lampoon's Vacation movies? Nope. Why? Because he's not funny. You, I've seen clips and I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> so why would I watch the movie? <laughs> I hate you sometimes. <laughs> why? <laughs> have you seen It's a Beautiful Life? No, I have not. Why? I don't even know what that is. is Jimmy it a- Stewart, It's a Beautiful Life, another classic Christmas movie? No. I have not seen that. I do like Christmas movies, though. Okay, well, then my reference is going to go, but you know what? People, most people listening have seen A Christmas Vacation. Okay. What I was going to say is he gets pissed off when his Christmas bonus comes in the mail, and he's like worried that he wasn't going to get one, so he opens it, he's super happy, the family all gathers around, and he opens it, and it's a Jelly of the Month club. What's a Jelly of the Month? Jelly oh, of the Month is his jelly <laughs> subscription service. And he's so you like because, strawberry jam? Yeah, because he's expecting like this, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars because he's putting a pool in. Yeah. And like he, he expected the bonus and he's just pissed. My joke was going to be if he opened it into his petrol box, he would have been, been pissed. One of my earliest memories as a child, as a kid. Is not watching any movies. Well, no, I, I here's the deal. Like we didn't, we didn't have cable. We didn't have a VCR. I didn't have cable either. Not we having a VCR is weird. It was weird. You know, it was, it was, I had a weird upbringing. It explains yeah. many things. We yes, can talk about that right. on another episode. But I would, uh, we had all kinds of garden stuff, right? And we had, okay. we had a strawberry patch. Okay. And I would get sent out there with a little colander. Uh-huh. And I'd go and I'd crawl through and I'd pick up, because it was kind of brambly, right? You know, it was viney. Viney and brambly or okay. whatever. Okay, where's this going? And, and blackberries and raspberries, stuff like that. Oh, jelly in the month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I would go out there and I'd, and I'd have the little colander and I'd pick all the strawberries or all the raspberries, wherever. I'd bring them back and my grandma would make strawberry jam. Yeah. And I remember the little plastic Tupperware container with the red lid. You peel it up, you take a spoon, you take it out, you put it with the crunchy peanut butter with the uh-huh. strawberry jam. And I, for some reason, like that, doing that. You're a crunchy peanut butter guy, huh? Oh, I do like crunchy. I haven't had it in a very long time. It's been a very, very long time since I had. The peanut butter was called the real peanut butter brand. Where if it sits on the shelf, all of a sudden there's like an inch of oil sitting on top yeah, of it. You have to like mix I it up every time. I like that. Why? It's- because that's what we get from Trader Joe's. And I'm like, I don't want this stupid real peanut butter. I want Skippy where it's always just perfectly smooth. Well, because oh, you're too lazy to stir it up. Yeah, I never stir it. Dude, it's so much better. When was the last time you had real peanut butter? I, like, Not the brand. Last but like, week. Yeah, like, like, like that's all we get now is the stupid kind. Because does Nikki buy that? Yeah. Trader Joe's. Oh, it's so delicious, dude. Anyway, so that's like that with, I mean, that's just was the best. Just being a kid and yes. being out in the garden. You realize this is like tangent number two within an ad itself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's all right Okay, with me. so Petrobox costs less I would than 20 give, bucks a month. It's I would such give, a good gift, you guys. I would give anything to go back to that point in my life and 
and pick weeds with my grandparents. Yeah. I would. And I when I was a kid and I was that old, it was, hey, we're going out to the garden, and I just resented it so much. I Isn't hated that interesting? it. interesting? But I then you look it. back. All I want to do, because, I mean, they're old. You know, yeah. my grandma's getting forgetful. My grandpa's getting old, and he doesn't. And I remember being young, too, and I there was a, I think it was the Mercury Grand Marquis that he had. It was the first car that I learned how to drive in, and it needed a transmission or something. And I remember being in the garage with that stupid car, listening to talk radio that barely came in. <laughs> and there's a wood-burning stove in the back. That's cool. And so you got you got 10 feet away from the wood-burning stove, and you were just freezing. Oh, yeah. So I I, I remember. But any closer, any and closer, your pants are going to start a fire. I remember putting my gloves, like, on it once mm-hmm. for, like, and I'll be I'll be right back. I'll give, I came back, and they, like, shrunk, like, but even even that time of like being in the garage i just i wanted to do anything but besides yeah i wanted to do anything but that and now every time i go there i drag my grandpa out to that garage and i'm like what can we do what can we fix you know what can we do together and it's i mean that's really natural that as a kid you don't want to how do you instill in your kids the appreciation for that though can you is it impossible? It's, I am countering that with my own kids a little bit right now. Right. Like they want to do their thing. And I'm like, nope, you're coming with me. And you just make and again, them do it. You're making them do you it. Just make and them they do don't it. want to. Because of the lesson that I learned. But there's, you're not, you don't, when you're a kid, you're very, very self oriented. You don't have, oh, yeah. You don't have the, 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 you don't have the capacity. You don't have the capacity to understand. Because you have basically, you haven't been exposed to it either. Right. You haven't been exposed to enough things. You haven't been exposed to any real, at any real negative emotion. You don't really understand. You haven't built contrast in your life. You have this whole path that you walk that you don't. You don't understand also that time is very fleeting. Yeah, that's something I didn't learn till just the last couple of years. Mm. But I just, yeah, man, if I if I could go back, if you're young enough and you're listening to this podcast, and I know we do have a lot of young people listening, if you're young enough. I wish I could go back and ride on my grandpa's lawn tractor on his lap. That is yeah. my that is my earliest memory. Hmm. My earliest memory as a child is sitting on my grandfather's lap, and he had this old simplicity lawnmower, and it had like a big lever that you would move for the throttle, and it was just this old thing that he kind of barely kept running. Actually, <laughs> but he he like rigged up some sort of machine that would throw the grass in the back. Yeah. Anyway, so the steer I remember the steering wheel. I remember like my arm position. If you're watching, you can see it. My arm position way out, Just left and right. Wide out. Wide out. And I and, it, and he still has it. That's cool. And, uh, and now you get on it, and it's, and it's not just, like this. It's just normal. It's just <laughs> yeah. like a four millimeter steering wheel. Yeah. And he had this thing that would uh run off the the wheel in the back would drive a belt okay. that he made a thing out of a washing machine that would spin and it would pull the 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 clippings into this big trailer. He had this big trailer because he had like three yeah. acres. He could mow half the yard. It's, that wasn't like a little bagger or something lame. Right. He had this big thing. Yeah, and it was a pull behind it bagger, was incre- but he made it himself. He was. And it was incredible. The in- and as I think back, the engineering of it was great. And I would sit back there and jump around in the grass clippings. You know, I can remember distinctly cool. the smell of it. In the trailer? In the trailer. As he's going. As he's going. Oh, I would just sit awesome. back with my eyes closed. <laughs> and I would crawl around and stuff. And, yeah. And it, 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 and it would all come out as a cube. You know, you kind of really? like just slide. So he was basically making hay bales. It's essentially, you kind of like rake it over, but it yeah. was just. That's I don't, It's just that, that those, that memory, those times. I don't know why, how we got. Oh, yeah. Strawberry jam. Right. Yeah, the strawberry jelly jam. The club from jelly, Christmas vacation because of Petrol, Petrol Box. Box, which makes a great gift. It does make a great gift. Yeah. I'd spend all the time you can, you know, most of my family, I don't really talk to, but my grandparents, I'm God bless it. They're still around, but yeah. I I can feel myself knowing that they're not going to be around much longer. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, I know I should call them more. You feel guilt, right? I feel guilt about it. Yeah. And uh, I talked to my aunt recently. This is a huge tangent. But That's I talked right. to my aunt recently, and she was just, she's like, your grandpa thinks you're angry with him. Oh, no. I said, no, I'm not. She's like, yeah, you just don't call as much as you used to. And I, I'm like, holy shit. Okay, well, you know, and then you start... So all these memories are very fresh right now because I've been thinking about this stuff. Yeah. Spend the time. I know this is like a cliche, right? Yeah. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, spend the time you can before they're gone. There's a reason people say it. Seriously. You got to do it. Yeah. 
And I think it, you don't realize it until you get to a certain age. And oftentimes that age is too late. It is. It is. Yeah. Now that I'm 40 and everybody's old and my kids are young, I'm trying to be like, I've talked to them like, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. Let's let's hang out. Right. You know, Anyways. Anyway, petrol, petrol box. box. I know there's someone that you have or celebrate Christmas with who you can't get a gift for because it's terrible. They have a retool they need already. Yep. Right. It, Chris, if if you didn't also get petrol box, I would get you petrol box. You would. It would be a perfect gift for you. It what would are you going to get me for Christmas? Are we going to do Christmas again? You're terrible to buy gifts for. But I'm great at doing it. And that's Usually. what makes it even worse. Usually. <laughs> I'm a yeah. great gift giver. I know you and, I, and the problem is, and just does the same thing, is I just, if I want it, I just buy it. Right. And I have it. Yeah. You know? Anyways. To my own detriment sometimes. Go out to mypetrolbox.com. But I tell you what, I would like Petrolbox if I didn't have it. Right, exactly. And you bought it for it's me. It's a great gift. It really is. It. We're not just saying that. It, I really enjoy just it. Just give the day. website and the discount code. We've been talking Mypetrolbox.com. <laughs> code is Overcrest, obviously. Okay. Now, All the people that hit the fast forward button to go through ads right now are like, like they just what? Hate, just Where us. is it? Hate us is so it much. over? I don't know. I don't know, guys. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the solution to knock, it seemed would be a way to keep all the explosive power of gasoline and make it less susceptible to pre-ignition on its own under pressure. If only there were a way to make gasoline more resistant to detonation, then more fuel and air could be added, higher compression engines could be developed, more ignition advance could be added, and more power to be made. Right, more compression means more air, more fuel, more everything. Let's go. Enter Thomas Migley Jr., Thomas was born in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania on May 18th, 1889. And it seems right off the bat that he was destined by fate to be an inventor. His father, Thomas Migley Sr., obviously, managed a steel company, subsequently starting a wire goods business where he developed a number of inventions, most notably among them, the first multi-piece wheels in the uh, form wire. Okay. I was yeah, trying to think what kind of, of wire. It's a demountable rim, basically, is what he made. Got it. Uh, as well as an Also anti- the founder of the Dayton Company. Yeah, exactly. No, we no. did talk about them in their wheel episode. Yeah. That was a long time oh, ago. That was ages ago. Yes, it was. Uh, he also invented an anti-skid insert to be used in tires, which are basically just coils of wire embedded in the rubber. Mm. So it's like studded tires yeah. that you have. They still do that kind of stuff gimmicky stuff today yeah i know there's he, a there's a company he has that says, a patent for that there's a company that says they put diamonds in their tires oh yeah and i'm just like bro come on <laughs> put diamonds so in their tires. migley's mother then came from an inventive family as well her father james ezekiel ezekiel emerson well invented circular and band saws with removable teeth so you have like maybe a lumber mill right yep. and the blades are really expensive yep. so you can just replace all the teeth on the blade can you imagine being that, that guy it's very arduous Honey, I had such a hard day at work today. I replaced 76,000 saw blade <laughs> <teeth>. <laughs> Right? So, Migley himself graduated from Cornell University in 1911 with a degree in mechanical engineering. He then began work at General Motors in 1916. On December... Oh, early on. Yeah, 1916. In December of 1921, he was moved to Daytona Research Laboratories, which was a subsidiary of General Motors to research fuel additives to present engine knock. Here's the thing about this Dayton Research Laboratory. It's all the different... I read a lot of different stories about this whole thing. So GM, there was Denso. Think of like Denso spark plugs that GM bought and then combined with DuPont, the chemical manufacturer who they also bought... And combine them. Owns DuPont. They used to at oh. one point, and combine them to Dayton Research Laboratory. So there's all these weird companies that, like, either maybe this one became DuPont or something. Well, back They're then everybody very, was, was very everything was very specialized. Yeah, it wasn't these huge conglomerates of this company makes everything. Yeah, but now it was people starting make... to get very like incestuous, right? Here, yeah, yeah. Right? They're like, bringing it together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. So the, his whole point, he was over at this research laboratory researching fuel additives to prevent engine knock. His original interest in knock, however, was not prompted by automobiles at all. Another factor was, I remember I mentioned Delco was one of the firms. So Delco made light engines for use as freestanding single-cylinder gasoline-powered machines, mostly used by farmers as, like, generators or just utility engines. Yep. Because of insurance considerations and local ordinances restricted the home storage of gasoline, you can't store gasoline in homes for insurance purposes, I guess. Yeah, like what? 
we all do that. <laughs> well, not in the home, you I know, guess. Attached funny. garage. My grandpa, every time he would come over to the house, I'd have a gas can in the garage. He would take it out and put it outside. Oh, really? Every time. Mine are like, in my shed, shed, I guess. Yeah. Which is Mine are outside. Disconnected. Uh, anyway, so the company wanted to know if these Delco engines could run on kerosene because there's no restriction against keeping that in the house. Mm-hmm. When they tried, they couldn't get the dang thing to stop knocking. Just knocked like crazy on kerosene. So to find out what caused this, Migley took a Delco light engine, replacing part of the cylinder head with quartz, and devised a highly ingenious apparatus to photograph the combustion process himself. So <laughs> this makeshift camera would make MacGyver himself proud. I'm if, a, and this is in 1912? Yes. No, Jesus. 21 now. We fast Okay, this it. is in 1921? Right. So he takes basically the cylinder head off, it's a flathead engine. Yeah. And he machines it out of quartz so he can see through it, right? Because glass wouldn't hold up, I guess, yeah, back then. Not for very long. And then he makes his own camera, basically, to photograph a high-speed camera that he made out of, you ready for this? Two thin pieces of lath wood, two shingle nails, a tomato can as a film drum, and somehow was able to cobble that together to observe the process itself. And here is knock. My iPhone yeah. to film anything in slow motion needs the light from the sun <laughs> to be able to do anything. <laughs> so from this, he concluded that an additive I'm gonna fuel guess. could inhibit. So the he process. was recording. He wasn't just looking; he was recording it. Yeah, he, he took a photo of it. Wow, that's of incredible! A tomato cannon. <laughs> Roofing nails, I guess. <laughs> Probably friends with my grandfather. Yes. Uh, interestingly enough, though, Thomas Migley was an educated mechanical engineer. A chemist, he was not. He suspected that the reason kerosene knocked in the Delco light engine bag, gasoline did not, was gasoline's higher vapor pressure. Therefore, he guessed, by dyeing kerosene with a darker color, it would make it absorb radiant heat more easily, thus vaporizing more readily. So... Well, that didn't work. Well, Migley and uh, Kettering is another engineer there, settled on red as the most promising color. They were just going to add it to kerosene, some red dye. And ever since. <laughs> red is the, the dye that they put in kerosene and yeah, farm no, diesel. definitely not. Yeah. Uh, Migley went on to chemical laboratories at Delco looking for an oil-soluble red dye, which, hold on, you work for a major automotive research company, are trying to work on what will become one of the most storied and profitable projects in the company's history, you obviously have access to a chemical lab with full knowledgeable experts in the field, but rather than include them in the project, you simply ask them for a red dye, quote, because you have a hunch. Right? <laughs> sure. Well, apparently a lab employee stopped laughing at Thomas long enough to suggest that iodine would dissolve in oil, a fact which Migley who later would become the future president of the American Chemical Society had been unaware. So <laughs> yeah. there must have been this, well, the, the, the pool of jobs and the people working there was much smaller back yeah. then, apparently. So as idiotic happenstance would have it, when Migley added iodine to his engine's fuel, the knocking did actually stop. But not for the reason he thought. But it had no idea because of the color. That was irrelevant, okay? The problem was iodine is way too expensive to isolate and produce and use at a mass scale. So rather than just saying, we did it, just throw iodine in all the gas. You can't. You can't. It's way too expensive. So Thomas went back to the drawing board. And lacking any actual knowledge of chemistry, he simply started working down the periodic table, throwing one <laughs> chemical into gasoline at a time, trying to run it on an engine. Like, literally, a little bit of graphite. A little bit of... Literally hundreds of carbon. Let's, let's mix up some carbon and... Were used. Yeah, just, ah, how about some of this? I don't know, try it. In alphabetical order, let's just... Just write down the, the table, yeah. Not a very good scientific no, method. No, not at all. At some point, Thomas discovered that annealing offered knock resistance better than even iodine. Unfortunately... Annealing? A... I know what annealing N-I-L-I-N-E. is. N-I-L-I-N-E. Aniline? Aniline. Annealing is something you do to metal. Right, that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So aniline was even better than iodine. Unfortunately, its odor was unbearable, and adding scent to such a pennyroyal or even citronella was no help. Midgley wrote, quote, When was the last time you heard anything that smelled like pennyroyal? I don't even know what that is. It's a flower. You know, you have pennyroyal tea. Okay. Yeah, I've just, it's very old. Okay, yeah, so they tried adding that to it to cover the scent. Didn't work. Or citronella, didn't work. Quote, I doubt if humanity, even to double their fuel economy will put up with this smell. What did it smell like? What was the, like, what did it? 
What is that? What? What's that smell? What's that terrible smell? All right, all right, all right. This is all added added quality right right here. That's what that is. I don't know. They didn't really describe it. It was just apparently terribly pungent. Okay. Very pungent. So from there, the path led to better compounds of selenium and then to tellurium and finally to dethyl telluride, which is a later test proved 24 times as effective as aniline. Still, tellurium was no answer since it was unavailable in quantity and also stank with an odor resembling garlic. Okay. Okay. In fact... At least you could blame your stinky self on your car. Uh, that, was, that was the fuel, honey. Yeah. Uh, 17 years after the experiments with telluride ended, when the time came... 17 to, years? And he was no, not no, no, to hold, the... Hold on, hold on. This, this is... I, we're fast-forwarding. So it smelled so bad that... Even 17 years after these experiments were done, someone came to write a history of the project. Researchers found that the records still stank. The paper. The paper that was in the room stank like garlic 17 years later. Uh, So on December 9th, 1921, Migley's coworker, Carol Hochwald, prepared and tested a small quantity of tetrahethyl lead, known chemically as T-E-L. Quote, it was eureka. TEL provided knock resistance with only one part in 1,360, less than an ounce in 10 gallons of gasoline. There you go. So this type of lead. And Migley had finally found the additive he had been searching for. Lead is cheap. Odor-free and effective in tiny, tiny amounts. Years later, salesmen demonstrated the product would pour a few drops of TEL onto a piece of cloth and wave it in front of the air intake of a knocking engine. The noise would stop instantly. No kidding. Just the vapor. The vapor. Yep. Now, why? What is what is the chemical process that's happening? Are you going to tell us? Uh, chemically, not really, because I it was it's heavy, right? Yeah. Basically, it's just making the gasoline less volatile. Okay. Is what it's doing. Uh, the company named the, subs- named the substance. But I want to know why. Why? I want to know the chemical reason. I hate chemistry. I didn't even take chemistry. I took all the way up to AP chemistry and dropped out because I just hated it. All right. Well, we'll blame you for not yes, explaining don't, this very don't, critical part of the There's a molecule podcast. and then the, the it lead binds, binds to, some, to the molecule and it makes us less. Makes it vibrate makes less Makes it less, something. yeah, crazy. And then... <laughs> It's, yeah, that's what it does. Um, Very nice, Jake. Yeah, thank you. The company named the substance ethyl, avoiding all mention of lead in reports and advertising. Mm. More on that later. A September 1927 ad ran in National Geographic and read as followed, as an ethyl user, you have the benefits of greatly increased speed, more power on hills and heavy roads, quicker acceleration, and complete elimination of knock. But the real high-compression automobile is here at last. Ethyl gasoline has made it possible. Ride with ethyl in a high-compression motor and get the thrill of a lifetime. That sounds I'm in. Right? I want thrills. Why wouldn't you? Thrills, power, Everything. Yeah. Oil companies and automobile manufacturers, especially General Motors, which owned the patent, promoted the TEL additive as an inexpensive alternative superior to ethanol or ethanol blended fuels. You see, ethanol added fuels like they were doing the ethanol back then, like even. we see at pumps today, yes, were also available as knock preventative. However, alcohol was expensive to produce at the level required as a fuel additive. At least Still is. Back then, it yeah. is expensive. Heavily subsidized yes. is the only reason it's cheap. Yeah. Besides, GM didn't own the patent for ethanol, mm-hmm. so there wasn't money to be made. This lead-based additive, on the other hand, Thomas Migley calculated that it would be possible to capture 20% of the gasoline market and make $0.03 cents per gallon, amounting to $36 million per year right out of the gate. Holy shit. In 1921. Within a decade, the profits would be 10 times that amount. And by the 1950s, the profits would be in the billions. Wow. So they're basically leasing out the patent to like Exxon. and. Yep. Not only that. Chevron. No, why lease it out when you can make it all yourself, Chris? No kidding. GM Together was... Together with Standard Oil Company, GM established... Otherwise known as Amoco. 
Yes. Today. The Ethel Corporation to exclusively produce and market lead fuel additives. And they blew it. You don't see Standard Oil or Amico's anywhere anymore. Well, they both merged and became ExxonMobil. Oh. Yeah, okay. and then Exxon also did bad things. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, they have. Uh, so here's the problem. Lead, turns out, is a poison. Lead acts as a potent neurotoxin, actually. Its deadly effects have been known for nearly 3,000 years. Roman engineer Vitruvius noted that lead fumes, quote, rob you know, the limbs of you know virtues and blood. You know what's truly poisonous? What? Greed. Yeah, right? They had... They knew. They had alcohol. Hey, continue. We'll get to it. Yeah. For sure. Odorless, colorless, and tasteless, lead can be detected only through chemical, chemical analysis. Unlike other deadly substances, such as pesticides, waste oils... I can... Are you sure it's odorless? Pure lead is odorless. Okay, so why... I was going to say, why the hell does race gas smell so good? That has to be something else. I don't know. It smells like... You know race gas when you smell it. Maybe, Maybe when it's binded with gasoline, then it has an odor. Either that or it's the fact that regular gasoline without lead smells like something... Smells different. That could very then, well be. It has a yeah, smell lead versus the other one that doesn't. It's the lack of a smell sure. that we're not detecting Maybe. that actually smells. That's it. <laughs> I got it. Anti-smell. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So unlike other deadly substances that we know, pesticides, waste oils, or even radioactive materials, lead does not break down over time. It's already a base element, right? Mm-hmm. And it's poisonous as its own base element. Furthermore, symptoms of... This is why they recycle batteries. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. They just think of that. There's always batteries. There's always a core on your battery. Okay, you're right. So symptoms of acute lead poisoning, those occurring at high levels of exposure... Acute means like... If you you ate ate the the stuff. Yes, exactly. Are easy to spot. Blindness, brain damage, kidney disease, convulsions, and cancer almost immediately. Jesus. Yes. The problem with low levels of lead exposure is that it's hard to spot. Yeah, it just compounds over time. Yes, but continued exposure, say the use of leaded gas throughout the world for more than 60 years, the effects do stack up. So this stuff gets into your blood and just stays there forever? Uh, or is, does your, is your body capable of cleaning it out? A or is, little bit. Or does it do the damage and then pieces it does, out? Yeah, it's heavy metal exposure. Children are unfortunately the first and worst victims of leaded gas. And leaded paint chips and paint because of their immaturity and are most susceptible to systemic and neurological injury, including lowered IQ, learning disability, impaired hearing, reduced attention span, hyperactivity, behavioral problems, interference with growth. Holy crap. That's like all of me. (laughs) (laughs) Were you born in the sixties and just didn't know it? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even realize until you read them. ADHD, not growing. Okay. Anyways, hyperactivity, reduced attention span. What? (laughs) Okay. Because these ailments are difficult to attribute to lead exposure, the problems just continued, right? If you see class of kids and they're all just hyperactive like that, you go, damn kids these days, right? That's what it is. Because it's happened slowly over decades. The problem, we're not just isolated to children, however. In adults, elevated lead levels in the blood are related to hypertension, cardiovascular disease, including strokes, heart attacks, and premature death. Again, the problem is that these issues are not easily associated with lead poisoning itself, but the effects are real. So they had to have known, like, these statistics are changing. They just How? Had to, How? Well, if look at lifespan, right? Would they have yes. gone, wow, there's... There was a quote, and I forget what it was. It was like an internal memo that I didn't write down, but it was something like, yes, there may be effects, but they're not our generation's problem. (laughs) Wow, that's like the ultimate kicking the lead can down the road. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, yes, the effects are very, very real. And that is what we're going to get into next Uh, week. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, well, that was awesome. I want to remind everybody before they head out to go to our Overcrest Drivers Club. Drivers Club. Yeah, OverCrestDriversClub.com. You can either scroll to the we bottom. We did this wrong. We should have done this before. Club. We should have done this before because everybody already stopped listening. Why did they do that? I don't know. They probably did. They're like, oh, we're going to do this next what week. If, what if uh, I just say just kidding and I just keep going? You could. Yeah, do it. 
Just kidding. No, no. Uh, drivers club. You could be you could be watching this video basically. You know way all before those anybody shirts else. that you bought and got twenty percent off on Cyber Monday. Yeah, drivers club members got that before that. Yeah, they were first. You know how everybody's like first. It was me. I was first. Yep. Yep. Drivers club. They're first. You also get to support Overcrest, which is amazing. You get to support like this computer that all this is being recorded on the mixer right here, keyboard. All this, this is stuff. all you guys. This is all you guys. You like we always say, Jake and I have never taken a dime. No. I wish we Never. could. <laughs> we, hopefully, at some point we can we can start doing that. Yes, but we just squirrel no, the money away. The point is, yeah, we're we not buy things like a van. Of this, we buy a van with the money, you know, so we can have an overcrest van. Yeah. Why are you sighing? Because we need to start working on the van. Well, we can't now. It's in my backyard, covered in snow. Okay, but you can start buying parts for it if you want. If people sign up for the driver's club, <laughs> I was going to say, help okay. us buy parts and get our van going. You know, if we get enough, if we get enough people signing up, I tell you what, what? I'll put driver's club on the van. I think we should. Yeah. We'll put driver's club on the van. Okay. Maybe I'll like, you know, what we could do is like Have on the dashboard. I could, no, I could like write everybody's name on the dashboard. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. You know, if actually. you sign up, we'll put your name oh, on the, the interior roof. Yeah. And just start listing them. Yeah. I like that. We do something like that. I like that. I will, that would be great. You guys, okay. the, the driver's code that we have. And you can get your name on the van. <laughs> Slow your roll. No, there, why wouldn't they? Let's do it. All right. We'll figure out some way to do that. Uh, thank you guys for the guys that have sold up for the sign up for the driver's club. We really appreciate the support. On that note, if you haven't, get your name on the not, van, man. Seriously, it's <laughs> get in the it's, van. It's, it's five dollars. That's it. Yes. It's five bucks. All right. On that note, we will see you guys next week. Take care.